mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Cinenauts Exploring the Criterion. Later in this episode, we're going to discuss Catcher's pick from last week, Woman Ooh. in the Dunes, which I'm so excited hyped. to talk about because it was yeah. something else. But before we get to that, I actually had something important I wanted to talk to you guys. Yeah. Boom. What does it feel like to be everyone's yeah. favorite host? Oh, my God. <laughs> it is becoming increasingly and increasingly more clear as the yeah. weeks go by. Listen. That Catcher and I are just here along for the ride of the I'm, show. Please, please speak. To I might just about this. make a little like scarecrow of me and just plop it in front of the mic when we record and then just leave it at that. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. First of all, as a Leo, um, I can't, you can't do too many compliments. I eat compliments for breakfast. Next thing you know, I'm going to be like on my Denzel shit, like on the top of a cop car, just being like, <laughs> I'm the best podcast host. But anyways, no, you guys don't see like from my end and my friends who are, who have been listening to the show. My girlfriend like, likes you better me. than me. I'm not sure there's anything else. <laughs> that tweet was real. I feel like our f- I feel like our fans are just trolling at this point. Um, you know, they know we're three fire signs. They're just trying to get a rise out of us. They're trying to see some like, you know, rivalry. <laughs> drama. Slim yeah. tried to tell me. Slim tried to tell me some lie about how I had done Zodiac on Dune Pod so that he could excuse <laughs> having you on before me on the show. And I was like, whatever you're talking about, whatever that lie is, is amazing. <laughs> You two are absolutely awesome. My friends will not shut up about how much they love you and how awesome they think you are. So it's coming in from all angles, guys. For uh, for for those in the hashtag Boom Army, let us know on social uh, your oh thoughts God. about the Boom Love. And and speaking of Slim and Boom Love, we got a whole bunch of listeners last week, and I'm a, I have a feeling it's because of the crew <laughs> coming over from the villagers over at 70 millimeter, uh, <laughs> probably thanks to, to boom hopping on there. So shout out to all the new listeners. Hey, thanks for hanging yeah. out, especially on a, uh, particularly, uh, you know, we had seven samurai and then my own private Idaho. So little, uh, intense episodes. So yeah. thanks for hanging out. And, uh, this one should be fun. And I think we'll have a nice change of pace with my pick at the end of the episode, which oh. I feel like we haven't had an Ian pick in like ages. It, yeah, know, it's, it's been, been a while. A while. Okay. I live for Ian picks. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to like this one too, I think. I okay, think. sweet. Actually, I, I know you will. <laughs> Before we get to catching up what we watched this week, um, this is our last week of Black History Month celebration here. Yeah. Not that we don't celebrate Black history and Black film all the time, uh, but our little weekly features of, sh- of talking about uh, some movies we'd like just to discuss that we may discuss in the future in full length. Um, but rather than having one of the Cynonauts chat about uh, a film that they like, we're all just going to give a quick couple sentences about movies we recommend people watch in case they haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, boom. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to choose Love and Basketball. It's I was talking about it on 70 millimeter. Bless. It's in my top four on Letterboxd. 
It's one of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time. Um, last week on the show, we were talking about the double-edged sword when it comes to like artistic expression and while representing like marginalized groups of people. And I think Gina Prince uh, Bythewood does a good job at balancing both in this. This movie is like black AF number one, but mm-hmm. it's doing that without like, it's very layered and nuanced, but it's doing that without rooting itself in like trauma or leaning in to stereotypes. But that like, doesn't mean that these things are being ignored at all. Um, and I also think it's one of the best mainstream romance films of all time, yeah. um, which people should kind of like study and take note of. Um, it's smart. It offers incredible character study, especially when it comes to gender dynamics between black men and women. Um, it shows black family dynamics with honesty. It's extremely strong in its conviction and it never feels cheesy or like we're being fed a fantasy, which happens a lot in romance films. Um, and I love that we get to see the sports world through a female gaze and, most importantly, mm-hmm. I love the depiction of black love uh, with all its like hardships, mm. triumphs and joy. So that is that's my pick. I think it I, I would love to see a nice, shiny uh, Criterion cover on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good pick. And I'm sure that's also a movie we'll end up discussing in the future. Right? Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lock for boom yeah. at some point. If not, boom, yeah. I'll do it. Cause I really genuinely yeah. love that movie. I hadn't seen it till like last year, me and boom went to TIFF to see it. They had a screening and I fell head over heels yeah. with that movie. The filmmaking alone is incredible. Catcher. What about you? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I wanted to talk about Barry Jenkins. Uh, he is like, I think right now my favorite director working his two films have just totally blown me away with it's on so many different levels. Um, but I just want to talk about if Beale street could talk, um, just because something very unique happened to me during the watching of that experience of that film. And it was basically a recognition of language and the power of language. And I think there's a lot of, I think I grew up in like most people in mainstream society looking at sort of like urban language, if you want to call it that, or just like sort of like, black speak African black vernacular mm. exactly and in in sort of like a you know it's reserved for sort of like gangsters and it's not really it's it's just like it's a laziness in speech almost um or or a sort mm. of degradation of speech um and not that I really genuinely felt that way but I think there was a sort of like inherent thing that you get just through media and that sort of thing that just sort of becomes embedded and I think what was really powerful about If Beale Street Could Talk was that it was really the first time that I understood that as truly as language. It was it, it, This is a way in which people communicate with each other on their own terms and in their own way. Mm-hmm. And, and those things, it's not, again, like I said, a degradation of language, but truthfully, it really showed to me how intricate and powerful and, and, um, and unique it is. And I just thought that was... I mean, maybe there's a lot of movies that did that, but for me personally, that just totally blew my mind wide open in terms of like the laziness in my thinking about language. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just really powerful for me on top of a million other things that movie does extremely well. Um, But for me personally, yeah, I just thought that was such an eye opening experience for me, especially like the dinner table scene when Mm. um, it's like revealed that she's pregnant 
and uh, how you're expecting her father to take it and the way you lead up to it and the conversation they have and how they have it. Mm -hmm. And then when the other family comes over and the way they speak with each other, it's just, it is a language that at once I don't, didn't understand personally, but could understand emotionally. And I thought that was powerful. Mm. So shout out to Coleman Domingo, who I think is like the best, who is in Bill Street. And I think one of the best character actors of our time and he's like having a come up mm. now because he did the like euphoria um special with zendaya um so mm. he's like starting to gain recognition now but if you watch that man he is such an incredible actor um so yeah shout shout outs to coleman domingo <laughs> so random but shout out shout out yeah <laughs> <laughs> so my pick is uh, also a modern movie that I'm sure most people have seen at this point, but if you haven't, you need to wake up. Uh, and it is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Um, I, yes. I, I think that in the next 10 or so years, Get Out is going to be recognized as like one of the most important movies of our generation, mm -hmm. if it's not already. I think it captured the conversation about the racial tensions here that have happening in all over the world, obviously, but in America in particular, before a lot of, you know, BLM took off and all that sort of stuff. And it captures it in a really, really clever, perfect and intelligent way. Like you can watch get out as a horror film and get a lot of it as that. And then you can watch it as a purely political statement and you can mm. get tons out of that. But the beauty is that you can get it both at the same time. And every time you watch that movie, um, you just get more and more and more, absolutely um, from it um and it just ages perfectly like uh one of my favorite scenes is like the sort of the micro aggression scene where um uh daniel kaluuya is at the party and all the old white people are like oh like i love tiger woods and oh i would have <laughs> voted for obama twice and like you know when people say things like that <laughs> and like you know, being Asian, I also hear, you know, people always say to me like, oh, like I know a Filipino person, <laughs> you know, like, like little things like that, which isn't like, it's not like, I'm not like uh, inherently offended when people say that, but it's also when, when he does this in the movie, yeah, it's like, um, in, in get out, when you see it all back to back to back to back in order, you're just like, holy shit. Like it's yeah. kind of funny at first. And then you're like, oh man, like people say these things all the time. I'm sure I've said things like that to people, you know, before. And so just seeing that back to back, is like such a funny way to talk about that concept that is just so prevalent in so many people's lives. And just, yeah. that's just like obviously one example of how he does it. But yeah, get out. That, that, that's mine. Yeah, everyone needs Great to watch choice, that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think it's one of those yeah. movies that's like, it's so good that you kind of like anytime you hear someone, it's like, yeah, get out. It's like, no, get out actually. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, for real. it's such a great it just so encapsulates everything that everyone is saying. Like good art is always like a mirror of the world that it's being made around. And it's like, it just is such a good mirror that it's like, God, it's too good. It's too good. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. So those are our black history month picks again, watch them all. And don't just keep celebrating black film, black excellence to the shortest month of the year. Yeah. yeah. To, uh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, keep it all the time. Really quickly, anyone want to talk about some things they watched this week? Yes, I'm desperate. Go. I've been waiting for yes, weeks go. to talk about this. And <laughs> oh, I just wow. need everybody to know. If if you're not watching The Expanse and you enjoy sci-fi in any capacity, you are doing yourself a disservice. 
Um, it was three seasons on Sci-Fi, I think. It was canceled, and then it was picked up by Amazon. Now, season mm-hmm. five just ended a few months back, and their final season, season six, is coming up probably at the end of the year, I guess. And this mm-hmm. show is, um, it's like Game of Thrones, but set in space. In space. And instead wow. of like mm-hmm. swords and uh, horses, it's like space battles and zero G. It's like incredible. The uh, political uh, dynamics of, you know, internal, like planetary, it's all, I can't even, it's so good. The acting <laughs> is amazing. The cast is diverse as hell. Um, the opening season is like, has a through line of like a detective noir with Thomas Jane that will like help mm. you sort of ease you into this really kind of complex political world. Um, and keep you sort of rooting. And every season is better than the last season. The It looks gorgeous. There's a scene in season f- three that could have been in 2001. Like, mm. just Hello. like... Wow. You're talking about the Space Odyssey, not the year. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. <laughs> not the yes. worst year of all time, but the best movie Correct, of all yeah. time. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so excellent. Um, it's, yeah, it's everything I've wanted out of, like, a sci-fi show in a long time. I think it's, like, e- my number one favorite, maybe. Um, and it's easily top three or top five for anything. Yeah. So, nice. The Expanse, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Boom. What about you? Yeah. So I actually, so in May this year, um, there's a movie coming out, which is, I think, like my most anticipated film of the year. And it is based on my favorite piece of literature in all of existence, which is a viral Twitter thread um, about a stripper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it. that it came out already. No, so it, no, it's coming out in May. It did like the festival oh, okay, okay, okay. circuit. It's it comes out in right. May. I think A24 picked it up. Yeah. Um yep. yeah, so it's this like viral Twitter thread about a stripper um who go meets this girl and goes for a gig in Miami and just like hilarity ensues and like all this crazy shit happens. Um and it's called Zola known on the internet as the Thodacy. And um, <laughs> so, so I've just been following this very closely because I'm so excited. And um, Janixa Bravo, who co-wrote in and directed Zola, um, I haven't seen like anything of hers, but she has a collection of short films on the Criterion channel. Um, so oh, I decided yeah. to kind of take a look at those just because I'm so stoked and I wanted to see what she was about. Um, so there's four short films on there. I only watched three. Uh, there's one called Gregory Go Boom uh, with Michael Sarah. It was mm. extremely strange and dark and like almost hard to watch. Very intense, amazing cinematography. Um, super weird. But my favorite one was called Pauline Alone. And it's about this woman who is lonely and she wants to make friends So she like finds people's like lost ads, like where they've like lost their dogs or belongings and just like calls them up (laughs) and strikes conversations with them. And it was like (laughs) the most bizarre 
thing um, ever. And I don't know if I fully understand, like understood it or grasped what it was about. But to me, it kind of was maybe like a deconstruction of like those quirky white um, like indie films or like Mm -hmm. a deconstruction of like the manic pixie dream girl trope because she's just so like incredibly quirky and strange and in your face. Um, So I would say definitely check it out. It it, it has me so stoked for Zola um, because she just has this like really dark, like absurdist humor um, that I think will suit it well. So yeah. I also saw you watched um, per Mel's recommendation from a few weeks ago, the fix. Oh yes. So I haven't seen it yet. So try not to spoil it. Okay. Uh, I saw you gave it a good old five banger, right? I gave it a five banger, yeah. So I watched <laughs> it after, so Mel like wrote, wrote in and then Joey like had such like a strong reaction to it and I was just like, I'm going to watch, I'm going to check this out. And I did and I kind of just went into it blindly, but everything Mel said in her email is absolutely correct. It does mm. such a good job at capturing like this very specific point of time in your life where you're kind of like transitioning from like being a kid to like an adolescent and it's like so profound how that is captured and 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 represented and it was just like a deeply emotional and exciting experience so you guys definitely should check it out the ending just like blew my mind I was like in bits Mm. um like I was so excited that something like this exists and also just like so emotionally raw it it was great it was so cool yeah i mean some of our friends see slim four and a half yeah rugrux dave five uh mel five chuck five so lots of lots of good votes coming in so yeah it's a good one and it's a short Uh, and it's only 72 minutes yeah Yeah. it was a shorty what'd you do this week ian so i have been just watching a ton uh, of stuff for my other podcast I do for work. It's mm-hmm. called Movies That Changed My Life. Check it out. Season two comes out. Uh, no, it'll already be out by the time this comes out. It actually comes out. Nice. Uh, February 25th. So I've been watching a lot of movies for that. Um, some standouts, though, is three were on the Criterion. One I liked quite a bit was called Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. Um, it's a British movie from 1960. And uh, it stars Albert Finney, who's a pretty big actor of the t- of the time. Um, it's basically like you you have to watch it sort of under the remembering that it was made in 1960. So not all the things age so well, but it is a really 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 good movie. Um, Albert Finney basically plays a factory blue collar worker in England, and it's just about sort of a slice in his life. He's kind of an alcoholic. He is uh has he has a relationship a relationship with a married woman and all sort of stuff um and it's just a really interesting sort of slice of life time capsule from the era it seems very authentic to the time um yeah i mean it, it's, it's it was really good again watch it under the remembering that it's not the most recent movie mm-hmm. uh, and so some things just aren't perfect about it of course, but of i course. i really i really did enjoy it it was it was really good um it's this uh genre of british film called kitchen sink dramas okay it all appears to be like very holden caulfield-esque um so lots of like why me angsty men. <laughs> it appears to be the appears to be like the genre um so you know take that as you will but i i really did enjoy it it, it was it was quite good so 
Recommend nice. that Saturday night and Sunday morning. Sweet. Nice. Awesome. So uh, we are going to get in Woman in the Dunes now. So before we have uh, a catcher take us away, uh, if you didn't have a chance to watch it, I, I recommend you do. Early spoiler. Yep. Uh, Woman in the Dunes is about a uh, entomologist. He's like a, or a teacher, teacher entomologist. He was in the desert uh, capturing, uh, catching some bugs for what to be, I'm assuming was his class or something like that. He realizes he misses his bus to get home and uh, he runs into some local villagers and they say, hey, like you're probably too late for the bus, but there's this woman, uh, she lives in this bottom of the sand pit. You go down there, you can stay the night. She hosts people all the time and uh, we will come get you in the morning. Next day, <laughs> next day, <laughs> guy wakes up, the ladder is gone and he is now stuck there living uh, with this woman in this house in the middle of the dunes to shovel sand for what seems to be the rest of his life. Um, so that's, that's my high, that's, that's my it. high level. Synopsis. We'll get more Nailed into it, it there. Yeah. Uh, but, it. but catcher, where are you taking us? All right, guys, let's get uh, strapped in. Let's get into our time machines. All right. So we're going to jump back to 1942 when French philosopher and author, Albert Camus released a book, his book titled The Myth of Sisyphus. In this book, Camus is interested in the story of Sisyphus, its metaphor for our modern way of life, and the philosophy of absurdism as a means of understanding it all. If you don't know the story, Sisyphus is a clever king from Greek mythology who, after cheating death on two occasions, is sentenced by Zeus to push a boulder up a hill and only to have it roll back down once it reaches its peak, and for him to walk back down start the process all over again for eternity. Camus sees the parallels between the mundane repetitive work so often linked to our modern way of life. The workman of today works every day in his life, and at that same and at that same task and this fate is no less absurd, but it is tragic only at the rare moments when it becomes conscious. In this film director Hiroshi Teshigara is is asking us to question the countless choices we often forget we are making every day. These small agreements or contracts we make with each other and with society that due to its repetitive nature become normalized. But is it normal? And how do you even quantify normal? So this movie blew my face right off <laughs> uh, for a majillion reasons. Um, He's not kidding. He but currently just, does not have a face. <laughs> have you seen Face Off? I'm in the in-between stages. Um... But what was really cool is I was just really trying to like get prepped for the episode in terms of writing the the essay thing that I just sort of read and running into this book and Camus and his thoughts and absurdism. So much of this movie just sort of like exploded even more for mm -hmm. me. Um, just so much of it is just so interesting. Um, and I just want to know for you guys, does that anything I just sort of mentioned ring true to you? Um, in terms of obviously the Sisyphus, the Sisyphus uh, connection and also just you know, what you kind of thought about that. Yeah, I actually didn't even think about Sisyphus until you said it, but that's definitely 100% like a relation there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was a good catch. I definitely would not have thought about that, but it seems pretty, pretty clear uh, alignment there to me. Yeah, and I just think too what's cool is like, just in terms of absurdism in that in that book in particular, just all the things he talks about. I my essay was like 
15, 20 minutes long <laughs> about an hour or two ago. And I realized like how long it was and I was cutting things out and I just wanted to pare it down. But there's so, so much interesting stuff that's going on in parallel between those two stories and, and that thought process and in terms of like the choices that we make uh, on a day-to-day basis and that sort of gets revealed throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like mind-blowing to me. But like what, just with the movie, what did you guys think? Like how, how, did, how was your viewing experience? I was pretty floored by by it i really liked it it was uh not what i expected even like knowing the synopsis that was described as like you know uh psychological and sexual (laughs) torture or whatever that it says (laughs) i still didn't expect it i mean it was cool it's like it was really well shot and i think catch yourself i'm scooping you Mm -hmm. you said you would like to see like aronofsky take a swing at this and I I, w- I actually would love to see like a modern take on this as well because the themes are awesome. It was really, really well shot. It was well acted. Um, the music, how good yeah, is the, the music? Yeah, the music was killer. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, the sound design in general is was just like top notch and that's something that you don't really see coming out of that particular time period. Yeah. So um, I was quite floored by that, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, like... I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but I like a really like pinkies up thing. I like to say is I really like movies with texture. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I describe that as movies where like, you can kind of feel um, like you can feel the movie. Emma turned to me like 20 minutes into the movie and was like, I can smell this yeah, movie. Right. Like I yeah. know what this smells like somehow. And I was like, yes, yes. I agree. So, some movies I describe as, as that are, I think portrait of a lady on fire. Um, Phantom mm-hmm. Thread, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. I think I, I put Barry Lyndon on there actually. Like movies you can you can feel in a lot of those like literal, you know, fabrics or something like that, or like in yeah. Mad Max, like the sand. I love that feeling that you can get from certain movies that are just shot so well. Yeah. It's kind of a hard thing to describe, but this movie obviously just had it throughout the entire thing, which I thought was really cool. It's just very like incredibly and like profoundly like tactile Mm -hmm. and immersive I would say and I don't think I've I mean there all those movies you were like saying I agree like they are quite immersive but I would not say I've ever experienced like a film the way I experienced this one Mm -hmm. um and I don't even (laughs) like it is kind of hard to put into words but it's just kind of it was just like the way that things were shot, like the close-ups, like the static shots, like, um, you know, literally having like showing like grains of sand on like a neck and like things like that. And you're just really, your brain is just like really tuned in into what's going on. And mm-hmm. I, I am having a hard time. Um, describing it, but it was just like, it was, it was awesome. Like it was so cool. And I, I was just, I didn't know what to expect. Like I had read the synopsis and then watching it, I was like, Oh, like this is like, this is intense. Let's talk a little bit about our, our protagonist, uh, Nikki, Nikki Nikki Junpei. Uh, he's played by Aliji Okada. Uh, this poor fellow, he, he's just out <laughs> trying to collect bugs for his school and he gets caught in this like literal trap. Um, 
my first note on him was that my guy can can eat some rice. This dude oh, was yeah. chowing <laughs> down on to his face. <laughs> that first scene where uh, where she doesn't have a name, huh? The the woman in the dune. I don't think she has a. She's just like the, the yeah. Woman. She's just the like woman. the woman. She's the woman yeah. in yeah, the dune. The, the woman. She feeds him rice and fish and soup in his first yeah. meal. And my guy just stuffs his face. I'm like, dude was hungry though. Got to respect that. When he, yeah. when he asks for more tea and then uses that tea to like clean up the dish and like finish the rest of the food in the bowl with the water from the tea. I was like, this guy knows how to eat. He's a champ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Nothing like, gets left behind. Yeah. It made me hungry. Like I was so full at that point. Like while I was watching the film, like I just had dinner. I was like, you know, sitting down to watch the film and I was watching that. And like we said before, just like you can smell it, you can taste it. I was like, oh my God, like I want rice. I want like, I don't know. (laughs) Just like invoked cravings. I was like, oh. Um, (laughs) What what do we think about his, his care? I really, really loved the, the front to back of his story. I mean, obviously the whole thing is basically a story. But seeing yeah. him succumb and spoilers of the ending, skip up a little bit. If you didn't watch it, you don't want to know. Seeing him like fighting so hard to get out of this sand pit and like aimlessly yeah. climbing sand to the point where at the end of the film where he has his chance at freedom and then decides to keep it with the fake excuse of him like he needs to perfect his water technique. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. When. They take her out of the thing and there's like a shot on the ladder. And I was like, I don't think this guy's going to leave. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he's going to leave. And then he gets his foot up there and he walks up and it's like, oh, oh, I guess, I guess he does. And then that he, by the end, he's turned his ass back around. And like you said, he has this excuse at the end for why he's staying. But it was just like the journey that I just went through with this guy and the, and the two of them and this experience, it was just like, I was, you were carried like, like masterfully carried through this story. Um, you, it, using all of the stuff, Mm -hmm. like using all Mm -hmm. of the tools, like this is one of those movies where it would, you would be hard pressed to experience this in any other format, like in any other medium, like it does such a good job of being off film. Um, mm. and it was just like, boom, like you said, I, I, I was struggling. I had to find a philosopher <laughs> and read all his big fat words to really get into play. Like really the things in the, I was feeling yeah. when watching this movie. Um, and I was just so thankful and just wished to rush and watch. Like, I want to see everything mm. he's done. Like I want, Absolutely. like my thought process closing this movie was, I'm picking the other two movies that are in the collection for the next two times I'm picking. Like, I want, I'm desperate. Like, so, so, yeah, I just incredible. Yeah. Like, I was reading uh, Roger Ebert's review mm-hmm. of the movie, and he mm-hmm. talked about how this movie photographed sand better than any movie in history, including like Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen Lawrence of Arabia yet. It's so good. But the sand, the way that he uses sand. And just the movement of sand to convey yeah. so many different meanings. Like the same, essentially the same shot is used probably four or five times of just sand shifting from the top of the screen to the bottom. 
to the point that it even looks like water at some points. Like mm. it's just so mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Natural. And yeah. 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 It's crazy. And, and this, the way the close-ups, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning before, like the way sand sits on skin, the way body parts come up against each other, um, the way sand looks on skin, like that's the scene, the morning, the, the morning of his first night after his first night. And she's there like laying naked on the floor and she's just got sand on her. I'm just like, mm-hmm. uh, sand has never been sexy to me. I hate sand. <laughs> like, get it. If, if sand is on me, I want it off. And in I that hate moment, sand. Yeah. It, gets every, it gets everywhere. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. yeah exactly exactly um but in that case i was like no keep the sand this is uh, so amazing and like you just get you you learn so much about these characters in such a short amount i mean i guess not short it's two and a half hours but like you just you Mm -hmm. learn a lifetime of these people's i felt like my experience with viewing this i think like for the first half hour i was like very caught up in like the why and the what and I was kind of you know kind of looking at like the logistical elements of it and being like what like what is even happening right now and about a half hour and especially like once things start to like pick up a little bit I like just decided I was like you know what I'm just gonna let go and let God God (laughs) (laughs) no yeah no but but that's right yeah I was just like I'm just gonna let go and I'm just gonna stop and like just like enjoy this experience and and I do feel like at the end of it I still have like a lot of curiosities Mm -hmm. about it like I think that there's the characters and how they kind of like move through the story and the choices that they make were hard for me to kind of like understand And I understand that there's a very like dense um, character study going on here, Mm -hmm. but I just felt so excited to kind of like unpack it and, you know, watch it again and just like read everything about it and do all of that. We're, We're teased about this like cool world a little bit. Like the way something that stood out to me was, when the uh, villagers who have them trapped are like pressuring the two to like have sex and he can go, mm. go to the beach and watch, look at the water As the way, region. the way everyone's dressed, like they have those goggles on and like they're playing yes. the taiko drums and all sort of stuff. I mean, obviously a horrific scene. Um, but yeah, the way it looked like, I mean, it, I just want to see like what these people's houses look like, but you know, the, yeah. the director, uh, Tashi Gahara, he confided us to basically be in this one location the entire movie. Um, but he still just had me wondering, like, what else is going on there? Mm-hmm. It, it was really cool. That scene in particular really stood out to me because I think the things that I, like, took from this, like, was able to take and swallow from this film were very just, like, fragmented bits of it. And mm. I thought that scene was interesting, though horrifying. Um, right. Because it kind of, like, felt like these people were kind of, like, the way they're, like, flashing the lights on them from above and, like, watching them 
like it's like some sort of show, like a Greek theater or like, you know, mm-hmm. some like twisted form of entertainment. I thought that was like really interesting and also kind of really like immerses you into the horror of the situation. But I do mm-hmm. love that she fought for her fucking life. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, <laughs> but then afterwards I was like, okay, what? But anyway. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree because it's so intense what happens. And the yeah. way that they display it and like the way he turns on her almost and like, and then yeah. the next scene, it's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. We have no hard feelings about it. It's just part of the reality. And I think what's really interesting about the movie is like, boom, what you described. And I think Ian as well, what you described in terms of your experience and what you like and, and, and these thought processes, like the film is making you feel those things on purpose. Like it mm-hmm. really is immersing you in the world in a way that you are experiencing those things alongside Nikki, like the protagonist, like as he is confused, as he is trying to understand, you too are trying to understand. And, and, and that the times where he's just finally decides like he's not going to fight it anymore. You sort of aren't fighting it anymore. And you sort of are learning, okay, what's it like? What do I got to do to survive here? I'm going to be in yeah. this movie for a while. What do I got to do in order to like give myself up to it in order for me to be able to get through it. And, and you struggle in the film as he struggles in the dune. And it's like mm. yeah. that, that, that that's a, that he's able to translate that experience. It is, it just, my mind is explo- like It just explodes yeah. like constantly thinking about like how well executed it is because there's not a lot going on, but he does so much with what, what it is that you're mm-hmm. just in awe. I'm just constantly in awe. Like, how have I never heard of this guy? How does nobody talk about him? How does nobody talk about this movie? Like, it's it should be on everyone's top movies of all time list like it, yeah. it to me like in absolutely masterful like kubrick in terms of kubrick level just Ooh. owning the medium like mm-hmm. he owns the medium in this film so well yeah before we get to chat about the woman i do want to make <laughs> june june pai he made some hilarious comments whenever he was talking about how like people are going to notice him he just kept saying, like, the PTA is going to come looking for me. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know much. The PTA. I know, actually, I don't know anything about the Japanese public school system. But I can't <laughs> imagine the PTA is going to be <laughs> looking for this dude. Yeah. God, it's insane. I, I, I well, laughed every time. I was it's like, the <laughs> self-importance, right? It's like it's that yeah, idea yeah. of, like, we're so self-involved in modern mm-hmm. society. You know, it's. Everything is about us and what we're trying to get and, and mm-hmm. our, our place in the thing. You know, like his reason for going to the dunes at all is because he's trying to find a bug in the sand, been, a needle yeah. in a haystack, find this one bug that might be different. So someone might write his name in a book somewhere one time. It's like that's right. the, that is hmm. like if that's not every person living in a downtown city in North America. Like I've not, then you're lying to yourself. Like that's what everyone is doing, you know? And, and this film is asking you like, Hey, (laughs) what's the difference between doing that and, and shoveling sand, you know? And and there's not much difference between those two things, you know? I I did relate. I did relate to that aspect of the character (laughs) for sure. Because he's just. I don't know. It's just interesting because at the beginning he's like so focused on finding this bug. And then he has that like inner monologue where he's just like, you know, what is life? You know, everything is like documented. That's how we know we exist and we have all these things that are binding. And, you know, and then they 
are constantly alluding or the woman is constantly alluding to like him living in the bigger city, like how it's so glamorous and all this. And I don't, and for those of us who live in cities, you know, like the struggle, you know, like I was watching Moana last night and I was like, honestly, like right about now I would give anything to just like live on an Island and like shuck coconuts (laughs) all day. Um, so it's like you, I followed him on that journey. I'm like, you know what? I get it. It's easier. Like we're, we're really shooting for the stars out here and, and sometimes it, it feels hopeless, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a little depressing, no, but oh, no, go ahead. I was gonna <laughs> shift gears. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna segue just in terms of like with with regards to her and like that you go through this journey with him. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so interesting about the film is the woman is like this this uh centerpiece, like this unmoving thing. Like mm. she never she never really shifts that much in terms of her feelings about where she is, mm-hmm. how her situation is. Um She's just so normalized in this specific society, you know, the society that they've built in this weird place where they're shoveling sand and sending it up in, at night to get so that the house doesn't, you know, cov- get covered in sand. And Is that what they were doing? Because, like, I was a little bit lost So it's like a few point. things. So just in terms of the shoveling, yeah, just to explain to anyone who's listening. So basically... This woman lives in a, uh, in this hut in a hole in this in these dunes, and as time goes on, sand falls into this into the hole. So she's got to shovel it out to give to these people who are keeping her sort of captive. Not even that they're keeping her captive. I don't even think that's actually what's happening. But the sand comes out of the hole. Then they sell that sand to some concrete manufacturers, and then in exchange for her work, she gets you know food and water and. Uh, different things. It's like commissary where she can use work to buy things. Mm. And, and they, they sell the sand too, right? For they sell like, the sand to like yeah. concrete manufacturers yeah. and they use the sand to make concrete. Uh, well, there's the whole thing there that, where they have that conversation because he's like, you know, like that is, that stuff is like not foundationally sound and mm. like it's, right. and she's just like, whatever, like I make money. And I thought that was like an interesting kind of, um, offering up of of their different perspectives that is just the economy of this place like the rules of it don't make sense coming from a different place but that's just how it works and everyone is sort of like on the same page about how that works and it's just it's less about what it is exactly that's going on and more about the fact that yeah this is just a different world with different set of rules that you can either get with or not get with and it's like the movie is really his transition to understanding that there is maybe a second way of looking how society could work. Boom. What did you think about the woman? I mean, she, she had been, she's who knows how long she's been there. They don't really say, I mean, obviously several years enough to lose her husband and and child. What do you think about her situation? She was interesting to me because like when you first meet her, she's just very like demure, almost docile, Mm -hmm. like just very, um, complicit and, you know, <laughs> just like very complicit and almost to the point. Yeah. Where it has to be. And she seems like simple. Mm. I don't know. She, she's, she was such an interesting character for me and she, she was a hard, like um, a little bit hard to crack. And she, especially during that one scene that we were talking about when she like does fight him and like, doesn't just give in because mm-hmm all of the things leading up until then you kind of think that she she would have just kind of like 
taken it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, honestly, I don't know what I think about her. (laughs) (laughs) And I think her character also is just like a a crutch to tell Junpai's story and like kind of like exaggerate his his character. Right. Like, Mm. like she seems like a little bit more of a prop than a character to me, but. I don't know. Mm. I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. For for me, I, I, I thought she was interesting just because, um, the, A, I thought when, like, she comes in and she's serving him and stuff, I think that was part of the deal with the villagers. Like, you got to make him feel, like, as comfortable as possible to stay here or, you know, who whoever knows what. Um, but it was interesting because I, I don't see her as, like, she was, like, not wanting to leave, but I think she just had been broken down to the point where she figured, like, what's why even try like mm-hmm. they're not killing me and I don't really have anywhere else to go. I don't have a family anymore. And it's kind of, and I, I think she is basically there to show like, this is going to happen to June pie by the end of this movie, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not. Um, that, that was kind of my thought catcher. What about you? I like, I just, I see her totally different. Like, cause I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of she comes off feeling Especially there's so many shots of her just feeling not like not frail, but just like not particularly strong. But I think one, she proves time and time again in her strength. That scene where she fights off his like attempted sexual assault is an example. The fact that she spends all night digging sand like into boxes and lifting it is no small feat. That's not a that 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 takes no, yeah. effort, you know? Um and I think Part of me was like, I think this is just, she's always been there. This is how mm. the town is. This town and this village has functioned exactly like this for a time in memoriam. Like, it's always been this way. And just like life for us has always been this way. And we have followed these absurd rules. And she just follows the absurd rules. Like, it's not absurd for you to get up and go to work and spend five days a week not at home or frolicking mm. outside. Like, mm. you make these decisions every single day, these small decisions where you're participating in society and she every day is making these decisions to participate in society. And so often you see people who are like, fuck the system. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, uh, you can't tell me what to do. That's who Nikki is in this movie. He's the guy who's like, fuck the system. I know what to do. This is how we're going to do it. Your thinking is wrong. And by the end, the fact that he understands that you can get moisture from sand, right? That whole thing, they have this conversation at the beginning. You're crazy. There's no moisture in sand. And that, Quick sidebar. I saw, yeah. I, I want to say like Bear Grylls do that once or Survivor Man do that once on yeah. either Man vs. Wild or Survivor Man. Anyway, go on. No, no, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's like he refuses to accept at the beginning, like the realities of this world. And she's just like, but that's just okay. Okay. Like, sure. That's not how it goes. But like, yeah, you do have to go to work every day. You do got to pay your bills like that. There is a sort of system that's at play. And she is accepting of that system. And she is not weak to the system. She's not a slave. She is not being kept there on with like um against her will. This is just mm-hmm. her life. And mm-hmm. it just so happens that they also need a second ha- helping hand in in the dune. And that's how he gets placed there. But again, it's not about the, the plot, right? It, it is about the themes and what and, and putting these characters in positions to express those themes. So for me, it's like, uh, there was a time where I was like, what's up with this girl? You can do whatever you want. And she never, ever wants to escape. Um, And part of me had that thinking and that. So that's sort of where my thought led. 
if you have any thoughts, let us know. Yeah, Send please, please. I would love to hear a million people's thoughts on this movie because I just think <laughs> it's infinitely interesting. Yeah, I agree. It was totally wild. And, like, and I could and awesome. be totally full of my own shit. And I'm fine with that, too. <laughs> like, I'd like to hear other interpretations of this movie. I just think it lends itself to that so well. Any other any other notes on this before we go to our categories? Um, the, the scene when they hook up, obviously we have to talk about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Talk about that. All right. yeah. We really do have to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Since you brought it up, kick us off. Okay. The most yeah. erotic, not erotic thing I've ever seen ever in my seen. life. It was so wild. First of all, it kind of took me aback because I, like, I know that there was like tension being built, you know, throughout the movie but I didn't and I mean well I guess I saw like the movie poster so like I knew that like something like that was gonna happen but it's just like the way in which it went down was like so wild it's fucking weird like it's neither of them it's like both of them want it but neither of them want it and it's like (laughs) it's like exactly why it happens like right it's just yeah it's just yeah. like this. It's a pure car- carnal at that point. Yeah. Yeah, but and it's like and it's like the only sex scene I've ever seen that wasn't sexy, like or or <laughs> yeah. like it wasn't even like nothing about it was erotic. I mean, maybe it was erotic, I guess, but it's like it was like even void of that. It was just like the most sexless sex scene I've ever experienced. Like it was so weird. Like I was like, you're not supposed to gain any pleasure from watching it. I think is the idea. At, at the time, though, that must have been like just pornography put on screen. that's right. actually probably more true it's not a stylistic thing it's just like of the time probably that <laughs> yeah. makes sense with scenes like that in films i feel like there's always this like elevated performance element to hmm. them where you're just kind of like okay you know what like whatever you know they're the actors are like putting on a show and sometimes it like works sometimes it doesn't but there was just like something about it that was like so honest and like, mm. <laughs> like raw. And it it's just like, have you seen uh, Zach and Miri make a porno? Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't. No. Okay. So, the, so the premise of the movie obviously is they make a porno. So it's like these two people, <laughs> right? And it's like, <laughs> they fall in love, like, you know, whatever. And so there's this scene when they're actually shooting the porno. And the first part of the scene is like shot from their perspective. And it's like, they're being cute with each other and they're, like, they're in the middle of this whole thing, but it's like nice and it's intimate and they're talking to each other and the sex looks like really nice. And then it cuts to like a wide shot of them. And it's like from the perspective of the people making the movie. And it's just like two bodies sort of like flubbing up against each other and like pushing on each other. Like nothing about it is as, as, is as sexy as it appears like in their minds. And it's sort of like, it's kind of like that where it's like, it's not like the sexy porn view. It's like the reality of what it might be like to have sex in a sand dune, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Nice. So Catcher has successfully connected Zach and Miri made a porno uh, starring Two. Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks with... Uh, with Is that your satellite pairing, Catcher? Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but it might be now. I don't know. <laughs> it's so funny. Nice. Um, oh awesome. So let, let's jump to our categories now. So first, our criterion moment. Uh Catcher or Boom, do either of you want to go first? Yeah, I got one. There we this go. is the only thing I'm sure about in this whole episode. <laughs> All right. Um, but it is the scene when he does, at the end, sort of get the opportunity to escape. 
and he mm. crawls out and he gets his way to the like the waterfront, like he gets to the beach. Mm-hmm. And early on in the film, he had asked if he could be let out so that he could go and check out the water just for a little bit of a time every day. And um, that's sort of what leads to the uh, sexual assault situation where they, in exchange to go and have time by the water, they're like, you have to have sex in front of us. So that causes all kinds of trouble. But the idea that when he gets out and he goes to the ocean, the ocean is so vast and the mm. world, it feels so big, infinitely big. And it, you, automatically I cut back to this point point when she, uh, the two of them are talking and he's like you could just go walk anywhere why don't you want to leave this place you could just go out and walk somewhere she's like why would you want to aimlessly walk somewhere and when she says that you're like why wouldn't you want to do that it sounds amazing and then when that shot happens and you realize how big the ocean is and how infinite the world is all of a sudden you're like no i don't want that like he you can see there's like this feeling of like no it's too big maybe it is better back at the hut maybe it would be safer to go back there Maybe that world is what I need. And that just was like, said everything the movie needed to say. And it's like one shot of an ocean and mm. a dude standing beside it. Mm. And it's just like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Nice. Uh, yeah. Boom. What's yours? Yeah. I like the, the seed where, when he escapes and gets taken back because it's like really intense. And my heart was racing the whole time, even though I kind of knew that he was going to get taken back. Also, mm-hmm. it was shot really well, like those shots of the dogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like I asked you and the flashlights and stuff. Yeah, it was just so like it, it was so cool. And I was also terrified. Um, and then he gets stuck in in the quicksand and <laughs> <laughs> the quicksand. <laughs> I don't think I'm doing this like any justice, but I just really, really enjoyed that scene. I thought it was interesting. And I think that's probably where that character kind of like makes the shift and gives up a little bit because it's like you mm-hmm. see him then making efforts, not gives up, but like kind of changes his way of thinking. Um, Cause you see him making after efforts after that, you know, with like the crow, but you just, you know, that's never going to work. And it's like compared to what he was attempting to do beforehand. Um, it's obviously this like very a little small bit easier. Scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like you can kind of see him like easing into that way of life uh, from that point yeah. on. And I just thought that scene in general was awesome. Like from him, like throwing like the grapple and and doing all of that um, and climbing out of the pit and being chased. Like it was good. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my pick or my moment was when um, uh, is, is the very ending. So I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but. Uh, at the end of the film, when he decides not to escape, uh, it cuts to an overlay of a newspaper that says, like, uh, you know, local teacher missing, and then it reveals that it's been uh, for seven years. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. Like, I didn't see that coming. I uh, Tashi Agara does a good job of not get, revealing his hand of how much time has passed. Like, you kind of can tell that, you know, he gets more comfortable and his hair gets cut a couple times and things like that. But that reveal I thought was very cool. It didn't feel cheesy. It didn't feel like a cheap like plot twist. Um, but no, I, I, don't know, I just thought that was really, yeah, I thought it was really great. Yeah. And I didn't see it coming. And I was definitely like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it was a cool, oh, shit moment that you, I don't, you don't really find in too many older films. I mean, like Hitchcock stuff, obviously. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, thought, I thought it was great. And it's, it's handled really well. 
it's like in the best way you could explain this, but it's like uh, like a Twilight Zone ending. Yeah, where right. it's like totally. it's not like it's not dark or twisted mm. or over the top in that way, but it's just like it's that little bit of information you need to really like solidify the whole thing for you, and like yeah. the PTA is not coming for him. Right, <laughs> they're not. Coming. They're too busy no making cookies for, for the bake yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's get to our uh, satellite picks. So my satellite pick will go reverse order. Catcher's already shaking his head. Uh, so my satellite pick, Catcher talked about it earlier, um, is actually Lawrence. Zach and Miriam make support. It's actually Lawrence of Arabia. Awesome. Um, nice. Also in the Criterion select, it was also in the Criterion collection. So maybe we'll get to that at some point. But yeah, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I hadn't seen it for the first time. It was one of those movies, like in terms of my you know movies, like every film nerd has to watch. This is just always, I've always skipped this because it's like eight and a half hours long. Uh, but <laughs> I watched it finally last year, and it is seriously so good. Like mm. amazing. Okay. Deserves all the praise it ever gets for it. Yeah. It's okay. so beautiful and well done. And just the sand. I mean, that's what I was thinking about. Like that movie captures the texture of sand and the vastness of the desert so well uh, in a way that I, I thought the same of Woman in the Dune. So Lawrence yeah. of Arabia is is my pick there. Boom. What about you? Um, I'm going to go with The Lighthouse. Um, because Ooh, both movies, nice. that's great. Both yes. movies are black and white and that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> it was the last black and white movie I saw. They're the, they're the perfect <laughs> No, no. Well, I guess there's that, but there's like, I guess there's a lot of parallels, you know, two people confined to one location mm-hmm. and the toll that it takes on the psyche um, also stylistically and visually, I think the lighthouse does like a good job at creating a very immersive experience, not necessarily a comfortable experience. I <laughs> kind of hated my life while I was watching the movie, but afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> but afterwards I was like, okay, that was kind of dope. Um, but yeah, you definitely just feel like you're right there with them. And that's one way that this film, uh, made me feel like I just felt like I was literally there. Uh, rolling around in the sand. Um, so. <laughs> you sound mad at the idea of even rolling around in sand. I, well, it took me, there was a, a, I know it said, I said it took me like a while to get into this. And a, a big part of that was just like ex, ex, accepting that they were just going to be like barefoot in sand for like the whole time. I was just like, I hate this. Like there's one shot that's like into the house and like the floor of the house is just like, covered in sand and i'm like this is my nightmare this is a nightmare but yeah (laughs) so yeah the lighthouse the lighthouse i love that movie what a a movie um (laughs) catcher uh every week i am reprimanded in low-key way for trying to cheat and like get (laughs) like two or three things into one pick and I've struggled for a straight week to try and even <laughs> understand a movie that I could compare this to. Um, every time I thought about it, it would get like only so far. It would be like one aspect of a movie, but that didn't feel right. And then this and, th- and then I was I don't know what to do. Um, and then today I kind of was like, hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with 
uh, Radiohead's Amnesiac. Oh, um, baby. So, <laughs> really, it's uh, they're masters at their medium. They are one of the greatest bands that have ever existed. Uh, Ian and I will probably start a Radiohead podcast one day yes. just so we can talk about it. Um, but what I th- love about Amnesiac is everyone talks about Kid A, and Kid mm-hmm. A is uh, an astonishing piece of work. But I think Amnesiac is so much more. I mean, it's not more unique, but it's such a it's such a great other album to that album, and I just think that this movie is so exceptional and no one ever talks about it. Mm. Um, and I think so much more, so many more people will be like kid a is the thing that they did. And it's like, no, have you heard amnesiac? Like, can we talk about that for a second? Um, and I just think it's again, one of those things where it's taking advantage of the medium. It's them enjoying being in the studio. It's them working, um, beyond just, uh, guitars and drums. It's all, it's sound. It's about creating soundscapes. And I think, Mm. That this movie is, in a strange way, a similar idea of creating these sort of like visual landscapes and visual um, metaphors and all this other stuff. And it's just, it's a whole lot of everything going on. And I absolutely fucking love Amnesiac and I absolutely love this movie. So they can go together for that. Nice. Yeah. Good pick. Is that our first Radiohead pairing also? I think so. Maybe. Um, Great selections all around. So we didn't have any emails this week, but please send us your emails or voicemails next week when you listen to this. Give Catcher your thoughts on the film and uh, our next pick mm-hmm. again. That's at synonotspod at gmail.com. Uh, maybe we could start reading some of our Instagram messages on here too because I know we got a lot of people sliding in there. We did a fun poll about who, because it was so naturally oh, yeah. I had to celebrate Rihanna's birthday. So I asked people like, or who they would recast Rihanna as in which movies. <laughs> and we got some wild ones. They were fun. Yeah, we did. Pull them up. Pull them up. There was, there was one in particular. I think someone said, like, uh, Poison Ivy. Oh, oh yes. That would be awesome. And I was yes. like, I was like, just, I mean, not for nothing, but just her in that outfit alone would be enough for me to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was um, the one who, the person who wrote that in was my friend, Jen. And she had been listening, she was listening to our holiday drafts app and she was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like, thank you so much for mentioning Batman and Robin because like, what the hell, best movie ever. So we like watched it simultaneously, like, um, like kind of like Netflix party, but we just like, we're watching it at the same time and just like obsessing about Batman and Robin. And then naturally she chose uh, Rihanna as Poison Ivy. It's a great pick. Uh, so Mikey Peep said Conan yes. the Barbarian. <laughs> that right. Uh, yeah, Ren Mike picked Eddie. Uh, Johnny Goons okay. picked Poison Ivy as Batman. Um, I was the one who picked Rihanna as Cher uh, in, <laughs> in Clueless. That was me. I'm not going to lie about that. That would be good. Just going to be honest. Yeah. Nice. And then there was a yeah, late so one. Keep- I can't remember what it was, but yeah. Keep up on our uh, Instagram. Boom and Catcher do a much better job at doing anything on there than I do. And they have, they're fun polls <laughs> there all the time. So uh, that's at Synonauts. And then again, we're at, uh, at SynonautsPod at gmail.com. All right. So the time has come for me to select my episode. I came in here. Oh, I'm so ready. Well, I'm going to prep it ahead of time. It is going to be a, a Criterion edition because uh, I have yes. yet to do one. And we haven't had one since December, I don't think. Nine. So I feel enough Whoa. time has passed. Now it's March. 
And that was March, basically. Whoa. This is inspired by Boom and her <gasps> love of Baz Luhrmann, as discussed on yes! 70mm. And I die. also love this movie, and I'm trying to ride the Boom Army coattails That's right. into Let's the success <laughs> of Cinemots. So I'm going me. to pick, as a Criterion addition, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Oh, Fuck. yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you, I, thank you, thank you. I love this movie so much. And oh I, I, I legitimately also think it should be in the Criterion in the Collection, cri- which absolutely. we'll discuss next well, week. I, but yeah, so that... <laughs> it's not going to be a surprising we, episode. Yeah. We, it <laughs> yeah, we'll, should absolutely be <laughs> tens, tens, tens across the board. Catcher can maybe hide his pick for now if he's yeah. not so obvious on it. But uh, yeah, Moulin Rouge, uh, Nicole oh, Kidman, Ewan McGregor, the god... Uh, God, Rich, John Leguizamo. Yeah, so John Leguizamo. I mean, all. I watched this movie a few years ago for the first time with a mutual friend of uh, mine and Booms. Was mm-hmm. it Cassandra Kelche? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Who else? Who else would it have been? Uh, <laughs> and uh, I might be Ian on next episode. Right. In oh comparison to our previous uh. Oh, Criteria no. edition episodes. I may be Uh-oh, playing okay. Ian in next Uh-oh. episode. We'll see. Uh oh. We'll see. Okay, that's a teaser. So again, next week, uh, Bas Norman's Moulin Rouge, my first Criterion edition selection. Um, and we will. Uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to everyone next week. Bye, everyone. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm gonna pass away. <laughs> <laughs>